Hi everyone, I'm Jake Namsha, and you're listening to the Lamb Fam and Friends Podcast. Yeah, I think we'll definitely do all of them. So, we'll do the... Yeah. And, uh, alright y'all, we're back. Um, Are we on? Yes, we're on. Oh. We just started like 10 seconds ago. So, I was just like, you know what, we'll start talking and we need to get this on. The people need this. The people need need this. We don't need to let this go. Um, How was Murph for you guys? We're post-Murph. It's May 28th. It was fine for me. I didn't wear a vest, so. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we all had the unanimous decision that it wasn't as bad as the year prior. Yeah. yeah. No. I, I didn't think it was. Um, I, of course, I had the same thing. I wore a vest last year. I didn't wear a vest this year. Yeah. So I didn't have oh, one. Oh, and you did it by yourself last year. Yeah, I did. I did it really? by myself before the classes started. Because I just knew that, like, if I waited till after the class, I wouldn't do it. So I remember that. I think that's why you're running on green stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, running is... Uh, <laughs> Running is probably being shuffling gen- generous. <laughs> yeah, very, very generous. We were all shuffling. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was just walking. Yeah. I was just, I don't know now that I think Maybe. back to it. I don't think I've ever done it unpartitioned. I think that may have been the first time I've ever done it unpartitioned. Really? Yeah. I liked it so much better unpartitioned. Yeah. Yeah. It's way more like muscularly fatiguing. Yeah. Like right. my heart rate never got high. I was yeah. never breathing hard except for after the run. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And you thought that would help, like, you know, you think about it, I'm like, oh, well, that'll help me on the final run. But then it's like, no, you're coming off 300 air shots yeah. going into your final that run. run is like, your run. heart rate is not yeah. high, but your legs are just dead. Yeah. It's like, you have nothing left. Oh. Um, that was bad. Uh, we had a good turnout. We did have a good yeah. turnout. I think we had about, like, over 50 people come through. Yeah. Absolutely. So I mean, everyone good. killed it. Especially yeah. having to go unpartitioned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to give a shout out to Kevin Bridges. <gasps> yeah. Uh, Kevin. Because he finished it. And uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Kevin has cystic fibrosis and he has like less than 50% lung function. And so like he just, you know, he can't push himself that hard. I mean, he's pushing himself, but his capacity there for O2 uptake and all that kind of stuff is just not nearly as high as everyone else's. And so, but he stuck it out, man. He finished it. I was proud of him. He's been on a roll. Yeah. Yeah. Quarantine did him good. Hard work. I think so many people can't travel now. And so because they can't travel, like, their jobs have them travel, then they're just like, well, I can work out now, yeah. like, consistently. Yeah. And so they've done really well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know who else falls in that boat. I think uh, Chris Scarborough. Will, mm-hmm. Will Browning. Will Browning. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah. Um, who was the fastest time? Oh. No, 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 it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Oh, okay. We'll, <laughs> we'll just say. Okay, first off. We're not. Even, we're not even going to it. There's a lot of, <laughs> lot of, lot of bad reps. A lot of bad reps going on. Like, Everyone okay, killed man. it. Everyone did great. It's all relative. Yes, it is. It is all relative. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. It's, I don't know. It's, it's not about the time, anyways. It's about the hero workout. So, um, but yeah, we had a we had a good time. What'd y'all do on Memorial Day? You went to the lake. Right? Yeah, I went to the lake and had lunch with my whole extended family, which was really fun. But just trying to chill. What'd you eat after Murph that day? Tzatzikis. Okay, that's not that exciting, but okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm just saying it's not like I would have thought that maybe something a little more. Like a burger. That's okay, yeah. I got, first of all, I got the weekend pasta, which is like 150 grams of carbs. Well, when I think of tzatzikis, I think like they're chicken feast or something Mm, like that. It's like chicken, rice, a little salad. That's 
had pasta. Mm. It's good. Mm. Mm. I had. Uh, Shout out to <laughs> Laura Miles for the cookies. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I had a bunch of those. I, I didn't have one. Did you have the blondie one? I like no. brown sugar. Uh, I don't think so. He said the American flag one. Well, those, are the, those are those are my favorite. Like the ice, they're basically like cookie sandwiches, oh, right? Like cookie, oh, cookie, and then the uh, yeah, like that. whipped cream filling, right? And it's just so good. So wow. Good. I didn't even get to open the boxes because I had to leave early and I just uh, felt like drip sweat into them. Yeah. They were, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Ellie. Yeah, I was, getting, I was getting worried because Aston and Alina got like a bowl. Like they took <laughs> one of our bowls that we have back yeah. there and they didn't take them and they're for anyone to have. But, um, and they like filled them up with cookies to take with them, right? And I was like really worried. I was like, if all these cookies are gone by the time I get done coaching here, I'm going to be so <laughs> And uh, But there weren't. So I took a bunch of them and left them for Excellent. Kyle and Caroline at their house. Uh, when I got back. So that's good. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. All right. What are we talking about today? Heart rate zones in CrossFit training. In CrossFit training. All right. Okay. Yeet. Yeet. <laughs> I was really surprised by that that was... I was so surprised. Well, Judd voted for all the yeah. topics. And as AC said, Judd, you were the, you're the hypest. You're the, the hypest hype man. Um, she is. Our three topics that I put up in our poll in the Facebook group was heart rate training or heart rate monitoring in CrossFit. Uh, the other one was, uh, I think, a theology of exercise. And then the other one was concurrent training methods. And I think people would have liked concurrent training methods, but they didn't know what it was. I was going to say people don't so, know what it means. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get to that one probably next week or the week after. So that's what, that's what we'll do for the next few weeks. So let's talk about heart rate training in CrossFit. Have you guys – well, okay, I know you've used – dabbled in heart rate training with me mm-hmm. before as your coach, right? Before that, had you all used any heart rate training methods or anything like that? I had a coach when I was training for like basketball and sports yep. specific mm-hmm. training and he made us wear chest straps yeah. and it was actually a lifetime so you could see it up on a big TV mm-hmm. but we did that every session it was really neat actually. How did he implement it? So like if your heart rate's up on a screen right and uh-huh. I'm assuming it's like the team session right yeah, so yeah. there's a bunch of them up yeah, on yeah. the screen right how did he implement it in your training? Yeah so the goal the goal was not to stay within a certain zone right. or anything like that. It was really just to uh, – he used it as a metric for intensity. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Just to measure, like – we did a lot of high-intensity interval mm-hmm. training stuff and basically just to see – honestly, he used it to see, like, who was working ah, relatively gotcha. hard, okay. hard enough. All right, gotcha, gotcha. Um, that's one way, yeah, for sure. What about you? Did you ever do any of it with that at Alabama or anything like that? Um, some, but when I was there – I would say it was right on the cusp of like when all these new like technology, yeah, all the new technology and all that was coming out. So it wasn't. I never got to play with it that much. Yeah, that. yeah, it's crazy. There's been so many like just over the past five, maybe ten years, the amount of technology that's yeah. come out for training is insane. And like, and not even just the like different kind of stuff, but the accessibility. Yeah, and how affordable it is. Right. Now. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, like if you go back to like 1995, 2000, like if you wanted to get like a real accurate heart rate done, like you need to go into a lab. Yeah. Like you need to have them hook you up, you know, yeah. ton things on your fingers, on your chest, you know, all that kind of stuff to be able to get. And now you 
go on Amazon and buy one for two hundred dollars. Right. It's really accurate. Yeah. Like I mean, they look pretty good. Yeah. Um, but then you have stuff like Moxie. You have stuff like in Omega Wave. You have stuff like Pino, which does VO2 max and is portable. Like all this stuff that's just makes it really really accessible for people to be able to use. Um, so I'm trying to think when the first time I ever did any heart rate training was. I think it was probably back in like. Because I didn't do, obviously, if you're a cross-country runner or, like, any type of what we'll call cyclical modality athlete, right? Where, like, you only do ski, you only do bike, you only do run, you only do swim, or a combination of those. That's where, like, like that's the, I guess you call the heart rate monitoring community, right? Like, that's where they, they thrive. Um, but I never did any of that training before I found CrossFit. So I didn't really have any exposure to doing that kind of stuff. And I think the first coach I had, which is Michael Fitzgerald, um, OP, Optimum Performance Training in Canada, uh, he used it with me a little bit, but it was never – it was always in a – what am I trying to put uh, forward here? He would always use it as, like, a barrier being like, okay, I'm going to give you this, you know, two sets of a 20-minute row with five minutes rest in between each. And I'm not worried about your pace. I'm worried about your heart rate not getting above 75% of max heart rate, right? And, like, let's assume your heart rate at the time, I was 20. And so the common formula that some people use is, like, 220 minus your age is your max heart rate, right? So he's like, let's assume it's 200. So 75% of that would have been 150, right? So he was like, don't let your heart rate get over 150 and, like, just – just to stay in the aerobic. Yeah, uh, yeah. He'd be like, just keep your pace. So, like, if your pace at the beginning, maybe you started out at like a two ten, and you're keeping your heart rate under that, mm -hmm. right? But you might find as you get into the 15, 20 minute range that it starts to creep, right? Yeah. And if it creeps, and your pace needs to slow down a little yeah. bit so that your heart rate comes back up. Yeah. Right. Um, so I've seen it implemented that way, and now there are people getting um, a lot more specific with it, uh, which is good. But I also think. First, let's talk about heart rate, questions about heart rate in cyclical sports, and then we'll move into how we talk about cross, um, heart rate in CrossFit, because it's a very, very different animal, right? Um, what, what, what do y'all think people would want to know about heart rate? And, and let's talk as running, you know, and anything like that. Um, I guess like, like the different zones. Mm -hmm. so you do you do the five zones? Is that first? There's five. five. Yeah. Uh, it, and it, it depends on. <laughs> We're sorry, everyone. Micro. Micro. Um, Very anticlimactic. Uh, so there are, it, and it does depend. Like people will use different scales. Like I've heard of some people using a zone one, a zone two, and a zone three. Like I've heard people having a three zone. I've heard people having a five zone. Right. I usually, if I were going to, like, let's say if I had someone come to me and they were going to train specifically for a 5K, right? Like, let's just use that. Like, they were a runner. That's what they wanted to get better at was running and PRing their 5K. They weren't doing any kind of mixed work. And when I say mixed work, I'm talking about stuff you would find in a CrossFit gym, okay? Just to keep it simple. Um, with them, I would use the five zones, right? First, what I would want to do is I would want to find their max heart rate. Right, so we could do that through some type of like a step test. So, where I say, okay, we're gonna run, you know, 
two minutes at this pace, and then we're gonna increase the pace, and we're gonna keep increasing until you're no longer able to hold your pace. And then once you get there, that would technically be also like your VO2 max, right? All that kind of stuff. Um, and we could, from that, determine things like ventilatory threshold, lactic threshold, max heart rate, all that. And with all those data points, then you can get really fine-tuned in giving them zones and being like, okay, zone one, like, you know, we're talking less than 50% of max heart rate, right? So it's, there's very few things that you can actually do in a zone one, right, and keep that there. Um, so that would be like, you know, hey, maybe a 30-minute walk or something. And then you have zone two, uh, and I don't know the percentages on all this stuff. I would have to look it up because I don't use it daily, right? But obviously you get the idea that when you go from zone one, you gradually increase the intensity increases, right? Uh, as well as the um, kind of time domains and stuff like that that you'd be able to work at. Like I can't tell it someone. like 50% is yeah. zone one. Mm -hmm. and then increases yeah. Increases from there. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think like zone two, zone three, right? You're talking like. 70, 75%, 80%, right? Then you have zone four, which would be like 80 to 90%, right? Which is hard. I mean, that's pretty hard efforts there, yeah. right? And then zone five would be like 90% plus, right? Um, and uh, yeah, majority, like the reason why that works so well with cyclical modalities is because you have so, like there are, not nearly as many variables as you have to take into account for, as opposed to doing something like CrossFit. Like yeah. with running, one modality, like that's it, right? Like you don't have to worry about what your heart rate's gonna do going from wall balls and burpees into running or back into a heavy clean or whatever it may be. <coughs> it's just running, right? You can control the terrain usually if you go on a track, right? You know it's gonna be straight, you can settle in at that pace and you can get direct feedback from your watch and from your heart rate monitor and be able to monitor that the entire time, mm -hmm. right? Whereas if I told you to come in here, do double unders, kettlebell swings, burpees, all that kind of stuff, and clock, you're not paying attention to your heart rate. Mm -hmm. Like you can't do it, yeah. there's no way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what, uh, I'm trying to think, what else can we talk about with heart rate? Um, I, go ahead, go ahead. Do you, you can go. No, no, say what you um, I guess uh, also too, we should say like why this, Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I guess that was probably like the first thing we should discuss. Yeah, no. Uh, I would say, I mean, I don't know. Y'all answer that question. What do you think is important? I mean, we can talk about, I guess, talk about this later when it comes to CrossFit. But in my opinion, with heart rate training, y'all know a lot more about it than me. But I think you just have to start with the goal of your training, mm -hmm. like you were saying. Yeah. Um, and you have to know what the stimulus is. And then I think it can be useful, right? Yeah, right. Um, like, you know, the level four of your heart rate zone is more like lactic threshold, which is like mm -hmm. more of what we do in CrossFit, where I guess it, you know, would become more applicable for the CrossFitter. And then like, if you're trying to build an aerobic base, like if you're someone who, you know, is really strong, but wants to increase your aerobic capacity, then it can be really useful in learning how to stay, you know, at a certain zone over an hour or a oh, certain yeah. period of time, if you're trying to like improve that weakness. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think it's like important to understand, but in my opinion, I don't think it's absolutely like Im important or vital to the everyday CrossFitter. Whereas like For sure. just everyday CrossFitter, not yeah. competitor. Yeah. Um, whereas like some companies like Orange Theory, their branding is like based on heart rate zones. And so it seems to the general population that that is like super, super important in fitness. And in my, I don't know, just in 
from what I see, like it in CrossFit, it doesn't have as much weight. Right. Yeah. I guess in monitoring. It's no. Monitoring. Yeah. So both really good points. I would say first, when we talk about heart rate, we have to understand that from CrossFit's definition of fitness, heart rate is only a correlate. It's not causative, mm-hmm. right? So in other words, if a like we're sitting in an office right now doing this podcast, my heart rate right now is sitting at like, let's just say it's probably 75 beats per minute, something like that, okay? And then let's say a bear just crashes through that door, <laughs> right? Immediately what's gonna happen? My heart rate is gonna get jacked, right? Like I'm just, but that doesn't mean that I'm increasing my fitness, mm-hmm. right? It has, it's not a causative factor there. It's a correlate. And what we mean by that is that it's gonna be impossible to achieve fitness without a high heart rate, right? But just because you have a high heart rate does not mean that you're achieving fitness. Mm. There's, a, there's a big, there's a difference there, right? And I think what you're getting at, Ellie, is that there are a lot of companies out there who are pushing, hey, we wanna get your heart rate in this certain magical zone mm-hmm. because when we get in this magical zone, that's where all these health benefits are. Right? very arbitrary right. they're just saying that the sorry, not to dog orange zone, no, but no, you're it's right. basically just saying that this zone is magical like you said right. and it's very different for yeah. different people absolutely relatively yeah and so the reason why heart rate is important is because it is causative right we're going to have to have a high heart rate if we want to be able to achieve fitness right but when it comes to like we don't need to be chasing a high heart rate or in my opinion even chasing certain zones for a general fitness person mm-hmm. right we're mm-hmm. chasing fitness which is increased work capacity across broad time load domains. Mm. That is one that's going to move them towards health, right? On that sickness, wellness, health model, okay? Um, I think we should talk about intensity at some point and like how CrossFit defines intensity when we're talking about CrossFit. Yeah. But right now we're not. No, yeah, you're right. Um, And so the reason why heart rate catches on with so many like runners and all that kind of stuff is because it's just an extra data point that is so fine-tuned to their specific sport that it can be very helpful in them setting up training programs and all that kind of stuff because they're not chasing fitness. They're only chasing trying to get better at one thing, right? And so it would be the same thing with like a power lifter wanting to increase their 1RMs. They're going to be fine-tuned in on what their maxes are, right? Because those are the determining factors in them doing well their sport, right? Whereas someone who's running, they need to be really aware of what their heart rate is and their lactic threshold is at a certain pace in that modality because if they can increase that, they know they can increase their potential in PRing their race or whatever it may be, right? Mm-hmm. So, and some people just really like to geek out on data and I yeah. think that really helps, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah. I mean, I wear a heart rate monitor, yeah. yeah, in uh, in stuff with, I mean, I used to, Bear ate it. Um, so I don't, I don't have, yeah, like I have my Garmin, right. (laughs) And then I had a chest strap that came with it and it was, uh, I mean, they're like 200 bucks for the ones for Garmin. The polar? Oh, yeah. No, no. Uh, and so, but this one was also like waterproof. I could swim with it on and I could do all that stuff and he ate it. And so since then I haven't gotten a replacement for it, but I used to do it and I would even wear it in interval type stuff with mixed work, but I would look at the data and it would just kind of be like, okay, well, it's nice to have, but it doesn't really mean anything for me. Yeah. yeah. You know? Like after Merck, we're all like, Rebecca and I were like, what, what was your max heart rate? Like, what did it get to? And it's like, wasn't that high? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like fun to kind of look at what you're yeah. max right. was, but yeah. it doesn't, yeah, it didn't mean anything yeah. to right. me. And some people just kind of have that personality, I think, where they enjoy doing like just one thing and getting as good at that one thing as they possibly yeah. can. Whereas CrossFit, it's so different, mm-hmm. right? Like we're not trying to just get good at one thing. We have so many things to get better at. 
And so, and we like the variety. They like the monotony because they can, I think it allows them to see the improvements yeah. really, really tangible, yeah, like tangible mm -hmm. right? Whereas you come in here, you may do a repeat workout like once a year and see an improvement there. But for the most part, your, your, your improvements are sometimes more hidden than they yeah. are just like, yeah. you know? It's like, I think heart rate just gives you a way to like quantify things. Right. Whereas it gives language to something that otherwise you would really just be able to like internally know I feel fitter. Right. And it's like, okay, how do you like put that into language and then yeah. like data? Yeah. And I think where heart rate becomes important and it is important, it doesn't matter, right? It matters because when we talk about like VO2 max and stuff like that, we're talking about essentially there are two components to determining basically your body's ability, well really there's three components, to your body's ability to be able to uptake oxygen, deliver it to muscles, right, and then offload CO2, right, and take in more O2 for you to be able to do more work. The first one is gonna be your max heart rate. So if my max heart rate, let's say is 200, all right, that's one component. The other component is gonna be your stroke volume. So it's gonna be the amount of blood that can actually fill into the left ventricle of your heart and then be able to pump out into the rest of your body through your uh, arteries, okay? Then the third component, okay, is basically the differential between the O2 saturation in the blood, in the arteries, and in the veins. Because what that's gonna show you is that's gonna show you how well your muscles are actually utilizing the O2 that's in the blood that's being pumped to them. Does that make sense, mm -hmm. right? So those three factors are kind of like the three that you wanna pick on and target if you're trying to improve someone's limitation in a purely aerobic cyclical fashion, right? You can't improve really max heart rate. Like that's gonna be determined genetically, mm -hmm. right? Like what your max heart rate is, it's probably gonna be the same. And what they'll actually see with distance runners and stuff like that is their max heart rate will actually go down. So you have that one. Stroke volume you can improve, okay? You can improve stroke volume, but that one is only done at heart rates that are pretty much a Typically, these are ranges, okay? Everyone's gonna be different. There's always exceptions to the rule. But ranges are gonna be, let's say, 75% and below, okay? So if stroke volume is actually increased at lower intensities. That's why for high competitive CrossFit athletes, it's very good and important for them to do long distance work, right, at lower intensities. You know, uh, Andy Thoris is like the best at that, in my opinion. She posts all this at least twice a week, like, Two. Right. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. like that to me, I'm like, well, that's easy. Right. Mm -hmm. But and that's what's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Which I agree. Yeah. Like part of the cardiac output equation is stroke volume and heart rate. So you'd have to know your heart rate to in order to really be able to measure if your stroke volume is improving. Right. And like what zone you're in or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so and that's a that's an area that a lot of people. And I really don't think, again, for general physical preparedness, I don't think it's something that, I think your benefits are gonna be much greater at working at five to 20 minutes and interval style stuff like what we do. But if you're trying to compete at a high level, you want that stroke volume to be higher because that's also gonna increase your aerobic capacity, which is going to increase your recovery ability between sessions, right? And even between pieces in a session. So it's definitely something that people neglect because we're intensity junkies. Yeah. Like we like coming in and doing a 10 minute air mass pressures and pull ups mm -hmm. because it's 10 minutes and I can just crush myself and feel good about walking out of the gym that day and just being like, okay, like I got work done, right? But you tell me to go sit on a rower for 60 minutes in a row, it's just kind of like, oh, well, Instagram. yeah, it's like, yeah, 
well, that, <laughs> just, that doesn't seem fun. Um, but it's what, what you need to do. And so then the other one, like I said, would be the utilization capacity of the O2. And there's a bunch of different ways to get into how you do that. Blood doping. Blood doping, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Very legal. Lance Armstrong. <laughs> Have y'all seen that 30 for 30 that they did on him? They've got it came out last week the first episode and the second episode is coming out. They have several documentaries on Netflix about his blood doping scandal and all really? that kind of stuff. Yeah, and they're super interesting. Um, you need to watch them. I, I need to watch that too. Because I've, I've heard a lot about people that are doing this thing where it's like, it's like oxygen supplementation, and it's like it's not blood doping, but people are like trying to improve their aerobic capacity by, like through supplemental oxygen. Hmm. I don't have y'all heard of that. Like taking in O2 from a mask. It's it's not that. It's like a, it's it's very it's sketchy mm -hmm. from what I've read. I just didn't know if y'all heard anything about it. No. But it no. sounds like you know, it it just sounds like you're kind of trying to get like performance improvements yeah. from it. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I don't know if y'all heard of it. Yeah. No, I haven't. But yeah, they've got. And also, you need to watch Icarus. If you haven't watched that, that's a different story. Oh, Netflix. I haven't. Okay. Icar Icarus. The documentary on Netflix about the Russian doping scandal. Oh no! Oh, it's so good. Oh, I love that. So it's really good. good. Yeah. Like in performance, yeah. like government was involved. Like, yeah, the, the government money. was involved in hiding. Like uh, their government was involved in doping their athletes. Yeah. Right, and their lab was set up so that they could modify and exchange urine samples from their athletes with clean urine from dirty urine. And the guy who led it all, essentially, like the head researcher. He came to the United States and he spilled his guts oh. on all of it oh. and like was risking his life. Like, I don't know what happened to him. Like when the documentary was going on, he was still like in hiding. And these athletes were competing and not getting busted? Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Olympic athletes. Mm -hmm. like, Are they not being tested? Well, they were, but that's how they like figured out how to make their urine. Oh, look, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, when they got tested, everyone's sample went to this lab oh, in Russia. And the lab okay. in Russia was set up with like a back passageway oh so that they could, yeah, it was I didn't watch that. Um, but anyways, so yeah, those are the three variables when we talk about like heart rate training and why heart rate is important and all that kind of stuff. Um, now let's transition into, and like I said, that really only works. Like if you want to get really fine tuned and specific on heart rate stuff, it's only going to be a lot of benefit to you if you're sticking with things that are just easily repeatable, observable and measurable, right? Like you have to stick with running. You have to stick with rowing, skiing, biking. Something like that. It's just one single modality, and that's all you do. Okay. Um, so now let's talk about heart rate in mixed sports, right? Which there's only one mixed sport, so we'll call that CrossFit. Mixed martial arts. Yeah. Okay. So what do you guys see as being potentially some of the downfalls of why, like regular heart rate training, does not apply to CrossFit? I'll, I'll give my two cents early because I know Rebecca knows more about this than me. Yeah. Um, thank you. Um, I, I think it can be self-limiting if you know data points. If you're like, let's say you're at a CrossFit gym and your heart rate is being shown on a screen or mm -hmm. whatever, and you can see it, and you can see that you're in the red or yep. something. But you're looking at that and saying, okay, I'm in the red. I'm at my you know, maximal or above 90% of my heart rate. So maybe I should like tone it back a little bit or whatever. So it's almost like your mind is making decisions in my opinion before like you're really testing how far your body can go. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the stimulus of CrossFit, it's like, it's basically how much can you get done in this set period of time and 
that's really the measure of intensity. What right. is it? It's like power. Uh, um, Force times distance divided by time. Yes. Yeah. So basically, intensity equates with 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 power in CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And so if you kind of just like, or I think reading off of these data points that people have just set, um, I think it kind of, like I said, becomes self-limiting and it removes the part of CrossFit that j- the intensity part, where it's kind of like your body, you hit this red line and it's like you try and ride it, you know, and each day you try and keep pushing that. And that's kind of what creates fitness is like pushing that threshold and continually trying to improve relative to what you were before like for a benchmark workout you know retesting a year later Mm -hmm. and doing better because you've been doing crossfit training for a year and you've been pushing that intensity making you fitter Mm -hmm. if that makes sense so i think it can just be a little bit it can be very helpful but i think in a general crossfit setting it can be very um more detrimental than helpful yeah i guess yeah um i just feel like Almost when you're like talking about CrossFit, you kind of have to take everything that you know and just take it with a grain of salt, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. there's so much data on like cyclical sports, runner. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's a million textbooks about mm-hmm. running, right? CrossFit is relatively new yep. still, so there's you know, I mean, there's a lot of data on CrossFit, but comparatively, it's just, mm. there's just not a lot of research, yeah. like, you know. So it's just so different because, like for me. I feel like nine times out of ten when I'm doing a CrossFit workout, my heart rate is probably like zone four or five. Oh, yeah. Right? But like cyclical athletes, they're probably not in those zones very much. And Mm. so, I don't know. It's just so different. You can't, I don't know. It's like all the data we have is kind of useless. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, Yeah, I think where you're going to run into so many so many issues uh, if you're trying to use heart rate as a measurable data point in determining your fitness. I think the biggest one is going to be that the elements that you're using in your workouts every day change. Like, there's no need for me to know, like, a heart, like, first off, I can't know what a heart rate range is for me that I need to stay in when I'm doing power cleans and muscle ups. Mm -hmm. I, I can't do that. And also, there's no way for me to keep my heart rate at a certain threshold if I'm doing 225-pound power cleans or squat cleans. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way for me to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm either going to have to do it, and my heart rate's going to get to a certain point where it's not because I'm not going to be able to get on the bar. And, like, it's just, yeah, you just run into so many, so many problems. Like, how long would it take for you to figure out, you know, like, what your threshold heart rate is? Let's just take a simple movement like doing burpees, right? Like, you would have to do so many like so many intervals, so many yeah. sets, and then it's like, yeah, and then it's like, okay, I've spent months figuring out where I need to be for burpees. Guess what? I don't have any burpees. Yeah, guess what? I mean, yeah, it's like, oh, there's no burpees today. Oh, okay, I haven't done burpees in a week in the class. Like, okay, so that did, I mean, and you have so many other things that you've just gotten bad at because you've neglected trying to hone in on one thing. Mm-hmm. So, can you explain what it means when, like Rebecca or a coach will be at the board and explaining what the stimulus of a workout is um, in the sense like you could use heart rate for that to be like this is the stimulus to keep your heart rate in an aerobic zone or this is the stimulus like if you were doing a Tabata or no let's use the example yesterday of yesterday's workout like a one minute max mm-hmm. effort cow bike one minute rest then one minute kettlebell snatches mm-hmm. right so like obviously the stimulus she would tell people is like to, to work as hard as you can in that one minute you know like your heart rate's going to get jacked and then you get to rest um, but 
I'm, I, I thought this was going to piggyback off what you were saying, but kind of like when we say that, it's like essentially a measure of intensity that people mm-hmm. could use heart rate to quantify, but no one could really do that and be like, okay, well, you know, it, a coach can't really explain that to a class. Yeah. So they give a stimulus, which mm-hmm. is what I was trying to get y'all to explain, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Here's how I look at stimuluses of workouts. When I write a workout, and I've mentioned this before, when I write a workout, I write it for maybe not the best athlete in the gym. Like, I don't write a workout. I don't write our programming weeks at a time and think about, like, well, how would Colty do with this workout? I don't quite go that far, all right? But I do use people who are fitter than the average, right? So I think about um, some of the more fit people that we have in the gym, and I think about, okay, what are they going to experience from this workout? How is this workout going to flow? Okay, so like let's take yesterday. One minute max cow, max rep kettlebell snatches, one minute rest. One minute max cow bike, one minute rest. Five rounds, right? I'm looking at that as really more, that's like an anaerobic almost power workout because the rest equals the same amount of time as the work, right? So I'm looking for them to be able to hold a much higher intensity than let's say we would in the 20 minute AMRAP, okay? But I'm also wanting to see if their ability to recover in that one minute rest is sufficient enough to allow them to be able to continue to hit the same amount of calories every single set, right? That's how I view stimulus is I view stimulus as like, well, what is the person who's fit going to be able to do in this workout? And then let's try to get everyone else who's not as fit as that into a modification that sets them up to achieve that same thing. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, which is heart rate training. Right. I mean, like it's not heart rate training, but it's like you're 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 not getting them to find their max heart rate. You're just telling them the stimulus. And I wouldn't I wouldn't classify it as heart rate training. I would classify it as like physio like energy system yeah. training. But they're in the lactate part There's of the heart rate. There's definitely going right? to be some of that stuff going on in that workout for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. I guess what I'm just trying to say is you're not going to try and get someone to measure their heart rate on a workout like that. No, because it not wouldn't at make all. any sense. Right, you just tell them the stimulus. You just go as hard as you can in a minute. Exactly, with being able to recover and repeat it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the stimulus. Yeah. Right. Now, an interesting point on that though is, let's take today's workout, which is a 20-minute AMRAP. Okay, 20-minute AMRAP, 200-meter run. Is it 10 front squats at 135.95 or 115.75? Okay, so 200-meter run, 10 front squats, 115.75, four ring muscle-ups. Okay. When I wrote that workout, I wrote it for someone like Ellie or for someone um, like uh, I would even, I mean, I'm not going to get nearly as many rounds, but I would include myself in that in the sense that all of those reps and that distance is totally manageable to be able to do without ever having to stop, right? Like I can run, I can come in, I know if I pick up the barbell, I can do 10 unbroken. I know if I get on the rings, I can do four unbroken every time. There's no need for me to stop on that, right? You're probably going to have, <clears throat> if you were to put that workout as a games level workout, okay, those guys could work for 20, guys and girls could work for 20 minutes, all right, and go as fast as they possibly could. And I do not think that if we were to actually take some physiological measurements of them, like pricking their finger and testing for their blood lactate levels, I do not think they would be getting into much lactate, all right? because their aerobic capacity is so high and those movements and those reps are so low that all they're doing the entire time is just really high power aerobic work, right? Whereas someone like 
me, I don't have that, and I probably would get into some, right? So it changes variable depending mm -hmm. on person to person. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, yeah. So, like, here's the thing with all this. Like you said a minute ago, you can't change your heart rate generally. Your max heart rate. Your max heart rate. Right. right. So it's not even necessarily heart rate training, right? Mm -hmm. You're right. training your organs and your everything else to respond to your heart rate. Yes. Yes. So it's not like you're training your heart and your lungs and your diaphragm, like, you know. Yes. But can't you create more, like, blood vessels and things when you train in a certain, like, like, yeah, like you're training your, or, or you, is that what you meant by organs? Yeah, just like, I don't know, everything yeah. else besides your heart rate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You, so you can't improve your heart rate. Not your max heart rate, okay? Your max heart rate is going to be set genetically, okay? Like your but it heart changes with age. It does change with age. Yeah, it goes down, mm -hmm. right? Increasing max heart rate is not anything that someone actually tries to train for, okay? What you try to train for is your body's ability to uptake O2 and deliver O2 to the muscles and be able to use it more efficiently. Um, oh, God, I forgot what I was going to say. I was going to say something. Okay, the, where the real benefits of knowing something like a heart rate and being able to understand lactic threshold is extremely important. Right, because if you increase that, then you increase the amount of work that you're able to do at a certain rate, right, without your body blowing up with a, you know, buildup of lactate. That becomes really, and you can increase that. Yeah. You can increase your lactic threshold with training, right, and you can use heart rate zones to do that in, again, cyclical environments, right? But does that translate to CrossFit? I don't think so. Not nearly, as not nearly as much as what's not in the way that some people think it does, okay? Because, again, improving my lactate threshold on a rower is not really going to have much carryover in improving my lactate threshold on wall balls, double unders, and muscle-ups, right? It's completely different because different movement patterns, right? Like, let's take a heavy one-rep max back squat, right? You go down to a one-rep max back squat and come back up, what do you think your heart rate's at when you get up and you get done with that? It's jacked. It's, yeah through the roof right <laughs> because you have a ton of inner abdominal pressure you've created all this tension in your muscles that your heart is now having to pump blood through right to be able to get to the uh, muscles and then be able to get back to the heart lungs all that kind of stuff um and that's completely different stimulus right than doing a 20 minute run at you know easy effort or whatever it may be tracking yes yes yes, yes interesting Ellie helps on this stuff because she gives me. If y'all ever want to know if anyone challenges all of my thoughts, it's always Ellie. I can always, I can always trust her to just be like, no, nah, that, that doesn't make sense. We created the circle of trust, and I just <laughs> jumped in. <laughs> jumped right in. That's so good. Um, so why do you guys think that some CrossFit gyms now are trying to utilize heart rate training in their classes? Because they're trying to make money. Trying to make money. Why do you think it makes money? It's gimmicky. It's like a new thing that it's just like the person who comes in. Like, what, what if we used to wear in CrossFit the really high socks up to your knees? I never wore high okay. socks up to my knees. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just like the people who have 16 pairs of shoes, me. Like, it gives you a reason to, like, it's just like another thing in CrossFit that makes it CrossFit, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like people just want a reason to go wear their high socks or their like more pineapple crossfitters love gear yeah it's gear like i don't but the thing is like even back to the example that we were using earlier like this 
sell you heart rate monitors and you're supposed to stay in this certain color zone because that's where you burn the most fat. Right. Like, okay, so I could be really, really good at keeping my heart rate in the blue zone, but that doesn't make me any fitter. Exactly. Because if I can't function in the yellow zone, then I'm not a well-rounded athlete and I'm not fit. Yeah, without doubt. And can I also say, too, like, when you when you say, like, okay, this zone is the one that burns fat. Mm-hmm. For example, like, zone, is the blue zone the first zone? I don't know. Okay, zone one, though, is the one that where you're 50%, around 50% of your max heart rate, and that would be, like, your walker, your everyday walker. And that's, like, you're burning, like, 50% fat in that stage. So if people say that, they're also not saying that however many calories, which is energy, which is what we're wanting to, you know, burn calories – it would have to take you so many minutes of doing that walking exercise mm-hmm. to burn the same number of calories that you would in like 10 minutes of high intensity like training. In the red zone. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they say like, oh, this is the one that burns all the fat. And it's like fat compared to calories, like who cares? We mm-hmm. just as a society have said like fat is the one fat. that we right. want to burn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so it's like people hear that and it's just like, oh, awesome. But it's like, it's not, you're burning nowhere near the calories you would burn at a high intensity. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which is what really matters. Yeah, and I would also be interested to see the data, like how much fat are you burning in that being in that zone for forty-five minutes versus like a person who has a lot of muscle all the time. Yeah, and just burning sitting there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of gyms are doing it now because they're being pressured. I think they're feeling outside pressure from other organizations to try to keep up, right, and to try to be able to have sort of like a competitive not advantage but at least say, well, we offer that as well, yeah. right? Like they're looking at Orange Theory and Orange Theory, you know, is all about the heart rate zones and all that kind of stuff. And hey, let's put you in the zone that like is gonna give you a lot of, um, what's the thing called where it's, uh, el- opo- yeah, splat points, but then it's uh, EPOC, ex- uh, post-exercise oxygen consumption. Uh, oh, where they say you continue yeah. to burn calories right. for yeah, yeah. six hours. Yeah. Right. And they're, and that's a, that's a marketing scheme. Yeah. Like that's all that is. They don't have anything to back that up, but the general population is so, let's just say, and I don't mean this derogatorily, they're just ignorant about exercise, right? I mean, we just have a society that's pretty much ignorant and will believe just about anything. That's why we have supplement companies and all kinds of other things that come out that don't really provide any benefit, but they play on people's fears and they play prey on people's beliefs you know, wrongly held beliefs about what fitness is. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of CrossFit gyms are feeling that pressure. And so therefore they're trying to implement it. Um, I just don't think they're doing a very good service to their members when they do that because they're sending the wrong kind of message about who they are. And in my opinion, it makes you different to not have heart rate training because it's showing that we don't believe the same things that these people believe. And like, if you don't like that or you don't want to be here then that's fine like you can go there but this is what we do and this is how we you know handle things um and but i think people are drawn to it because it gamifies it right like it puts exercise into sort of like this game that you can that you can play with yourself right yeah we gamify things Mm -hmm. by having a whiteboard right and by having a time and by having rounds and reps right the difference is that like our our game that we play is a game related to intensity, which we believe is a correlate to fitness. Their game that they play is heart rate, which they think is results driven when it's, it's not. Um, 
so I just, yeah, you know, I, I'm very empathetic to any gym owner that wants to try to do well and grow their business and grow their gym. So I'm not saying any of them are doing anything wrong. It's just not going to be something that we would do right as a gym, because I don't believe that it really, I really believe it's kind of, I don't know if unethical would be the word, but just, uh, not transparent about the truth. Uh, so yeah, that's how I would look at it. So, um, but they use it. Who else uses it? Orange Theory uses it. I know some CrossFit gyms use it. Like Wattify even has it set yeah, up Wattify where. Has a whole system. I right. went to a boxing gym in Birmingham that did it. Mm-hmm. I was always last on the leaderboard too, and I thought I was doing so hard. Mm-hmm. And it's just like I, I, I just didn't burn as many calories as other people, even though I was working really, really hard. I was exhausted. And so then what it like gamifies it, but it almost seems like it's like not fair. And I hate using that. Because yeah. you were probably, yeah. that means you're fitter, that you can function that high and keep your heart rate low. But, and body weight's a factor too. Right. And so yeah. it's like, okay, yeah. I mean, then all of the variables that would make this fair, I hate that word, are very just relative. Yeah. And that's a, you bring up a great point right there. Okay. Let's take someone like, how are any of these places like an orange theory or anything like even a CrossFit gym using heart rate, how are they taking into account individual differences between members and their heart rate? So what I mean by that is if I have a, let's say 50 year old Mm -hmm. working next to a 20 year old, but I'm using the same heart rate scale for both of them, right? That 50 year old is going to walk away being like, well, my heart rate never got up to that you know, high zone because they're using just sort of this set graph where they're saying, you know, they're probably taking a number 190, 195, and they're basing all their heart rate zones off of that one number. Right. But that person who's 50, they don't have a max heart rate of 195. Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of people who are extremely fit and due to genetic, you know, differences, whatever it may be. If a girl who weighs 110 pounds, I don't really, I don't know. I'm just trying to theorize here. I don't know if her heart rate, her max heart rate would be high, as high as someone who weighs 220 pounds, right? Um, I just, I see some differences there. Your body has to pump more blood right. to a bigger capacity. Right. Um, now, they probably have a bigger heart, which will help, yeah. right? But I'm just saying there are plenty of differences between people. Like, that. you will find some people that have a very low max heart rate. Mm-hmm. Like, we're talking like 170, 175, right? Mm-hmm doesn't mean that they can't do a lot of work with that they can but if you try to lump them all together using the same formula mm-hmm. you're going to run into a, a lot of a yeah, lot of issues agreed. yeah I mean, you can see that just between me and ellie mm-hmm. like, we're almost the same age so the whole 220 minus age thing which isn't even entirely right accurate, but that wouldn't be very different we have a very similar body, body build body weight everything but we are not the same when it comes to like heart rates and like right you know. yeah mm-hmm. and um yeah, just individual differences, all that kind of stuff make just a huge, huge difference. Um, so, but I don't want to try to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So there are some really good things with heart rate, and there are some really good ways, I think, that you can utilize it in your training, even in mixed training in certain scenarios, mm. okay? I think one of those would obviously be what we already talked about, which would be low-threshold cyclical work. Right, like if I really want to help build up someone's stroke volume, their aerobic base, as we would call it, right? I really think that wearing a heart rate monitor and just including cyclical work or even varying cyclical pieces of equipment can be really helpful. Mm. 
right? Now, what you have to be aware of there, though, is that like you can't use the same numbers going from running to rowing, right? Like because rowing, you're sitting down, right? Like your heart rate's naturally going to be your heart rate zones are going to be adjusted mm -hmm. on that piece of equipment. Whereas with running, they would be they would be different as well, right? So that's where knowing someone's max heart rate on each piece of equipment, right, can become really helpful. Yeah. Because then you can say, okay, your max heart rate on a row is 200. Mm -hmm. Max heart rate on a run is 180. That's probably backwards. But yeah. I'm just saying you can vary the mm -hmm. percentages that you use off of that, right? Uh -huh. um, do you all think of any other ways they can be used? I have one other one, yeah, that can be used in, like, cyclical type trainings to drive a certain stimulus or a certain response. Good, Ellie. Good. <laughs> just wanted to say, you've used that with me before. I have. I just wanted to throw that um, at you. Yeah. Uh, no, well, okay. That's a good point. Working at really low intensities is going to increase your body's ability to be able to utilize fat as a fuel source, right? So if someone is a carbohydrate junkie who only does high-intensity stuff and is really good at utilizing carbohydrates as fuel, but maybe not so much utilizing fat as fuel, right, that can help them increase their capacity to be able to use fat at a higher effort right which could have some transfer over into mixed work yeah okay what was yours uh the other one that i was thinking of is i actually think there is a lot of benefit to using them when it comes to recovery intervals right so maybe i give someone some mixed work of let's say it's row 500 meters 20 burpees over the erg and 10 deadlifts okay i give them five intervals of that and i say okay I want you to attack these pieces hard, right? And then I want you to recover and rest until your heart rate gets down to 70% of your max heart rate, right? That can be kind of like a self-governor for them without having to worry about set rest time, which may or may not be able to allow them to recover between intervals, Yeah. right? Like you just don't ever know how someone's gonna recover from something like that with giving them just a blanket two to three minute rest period or five minute, whatever yeah. it may be. But if you give them a heart rate, you can say, hey, just rest, keep your eye on your heart rate till it gets below 70% and then we'll go again, right? Yeah. And they may get, and you could even give them sets until you're no longer able to reach 70% of your uh, max heart rate in your recovery period in under a certain amount of time, right? That's just uh, auto, um, self-regulation protocols stuff yeah. like that makes you focus on your breathing too mm -hmm. i know when i was trying to get my heart rate down at one point it would make me do like a mass effort row for a certain period of time and then i had to get on like all fours and mm -hmm. breathe yep and it i was wanting to get my heart rate down faster just to like improve my you know mm -hmm. recovery and i would just have to focus on my breathing a lot more and really mm -hmm. consciously slow my breaths down and i've noticed that in workouts it allowed me to kind of like in workouts when I'm, I start getting kind of the panicky feeling, mm -hmm. like if I actually think about my breathing and make myself breathe slower and more controlled, I'm like so much more calm than my brain is telling me. Yeah. I, like I'm freaking out before I need to. Yeah. And so I think that there's some like value there in that as well. Yeah, but without a doubt, for sure. That's what I was gonna say. Like I don't pay attention to specific numbers so much as just like feeling, but like in today's workout for me, for example, I'm not good at like high skill gymnastics and my heart rate's really, really, really high. Like muscle up would like today would be hard if I like ran hard and did all the squats unbroken. I would probably have to rest for a minute before I like jumped up on the rings. Yeah. So it's like you said, like learning how to like lower your heart rate quickly in a workout so that you can continue to keep moving. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's good.
And then um, one other thing I was going to say in terms of that is like <clears throat> most of the time, what I will do if I'm trying to control the intensity, because that's usually what people like when you're doing endurance type activities and cyclical activities, you can have a direct relation between heart rate and intensity, right? Like you can know if my heart rate is at a certain percentage, I know that my intensity is going to be, you know, on par with that. Right. Whereas in CrossFit, we can't use that. We can't use heart rate because there's too much variability. I don't think the chest straps even work uh, if you're doing a bunch of like jumping and stuff like that. I just don't think they monitor correctly. And by the way, if you're, this is going to ruffle some feathers, but if you're using your uh, Apple Watch as an accurate indicator of heart rate, you're wrong. Okay. He also not. has an Android. Yeah. I do have an Android phone. I'm but kidding. Hater. Just, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not very accurate. Um, but what I will do then is I will put, and you guys have seen me do this to you so many times in interval style work, right? Where I'll say, hey, 80% effort, yeah. right? Like, and y'all come back to me and when you, sometimes you still do, uh, but y'all used to come back to me a lot and be like, well, what does 80% mean? And I'm like, well, learn, yeah. learn what 80% is. Yeah. Like, that's how you get better at understanding what paces your body can handle, maintain, recover, and repeat. Right. That's how you learn what 80 percent is. OK. And that's also how you build a ton of volume. All right. In a sport without destroying yourself every day, going hard as hard as you can. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is necessary for athletes who want to compete in the sport to be able to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that's what a lot of people, I think, get mixed up on is they see some of these really, really high competitive athletes doing these workouts that they post on Instagram or on their blog or on their programming uh, website that they own and, and promote, they see them do these workouts and they're like, you know, their times are insane, right? But what they don't realize is that while their times are insane, they're not going 100% every yeah. day. They can't, yeah. they can't do it, right? But you go into it with this time that you see they did, right? And you do it as hard as you can, you still come up short and then you keep doing that day after day after day. And before you know it, you've driven yourself into a hole that you can't get out of, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's why it's really important yeah. to, to recognize. Rich Brony talked about that in like the, I don't know, one of the very early documentaries from when he was winning like year after year, you know, he was always known to like, you know, he would do okay on Friday or whatever, day yeah. one. And then by the time Sunday rolls around, he looked the exact same as he did on day one where yeah. everyone else is like rapidly declined. <laughs> and it's because on day one, he was only going like 80% yeah. where everyone else was going a hundred percent. Right. So he might not have been at the top of the leaderboard on day one. But then he's still going 80% on Sunday when everyone else is now probably only giving like 60%. Right. Yeah. 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 And they mentioned that many times. You'll hear Dave Tasher always talk about how like the games is really a test of recovery. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like anyone can do two workouts a day and go as hard as they can and get yeah. a really good score on it. Right. Sure. But how do you go? How do you come back from that yeah. the next day and do the same thing mm -hmm. and then the next day and do the same thing. Right. Murph is such a good indicator to me, too. Like, I was talking about this with somebody. Like, the way that we all feel this week, like, Murph has been an event at the games multiple yeah. times. So, imagine doing Murph and then 12 other events. Right. How do you, like, can you imagine racing? We would Murph. feel then. Right. They yeah. Even not even just like a chill Murph like we did. Like, In like 100 degrees. <laughs> yeah. Racing it. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And so, 
Yeah, but anyways, I will use, instead of using heart rate zones from mixed work, I usually use either like an RPE scale. So like, you know, rate of perceived effort at seven out of 10, or I'll use percentage work where it's like 80% effort, right? Um, but I use those things to try to have some variable of control on the intensity of work that's being done because that's how, that's why you gotta be real careful when you go back and forth from like all these textbooks and everything that have models of, running you know zones and heart rate zones and all that stuff all of those models are based off of cyclical work mm -hmm. right they're not like you said there's just not it's there's no data on that for crossfit and i don't know if there ever will be because yeah. it's so hard to measure yeah and so you have to take those principles that you find in those books and then try to figure out ways to implement them into an entirely new sport right because the physiological principles are there it's just how they're applied in a different setting mm -hmm. you have to get creative with mm -hmm. right so there's a lot of value in it um i just think you have to be real careful about how you implement it and how how much weight how much importance you put on it right yeah. so yeah with all that being said don't freak out if your heart rate if you come into the gym and you know you're doing deadlifts five by five like you're not really getting your heart rate that high for a long amount of time but you're getting fitter yeah. right so you don't really need to stress out that much yeah, about your heart rate you know, like if you're programming and you have a good coach who's programming, then they're taking into account mm -hmm. everything that I feel like someone would feel responsible for taking into account if they were to try and measure things with their heart rate. Right. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that's how you give us a strength up. Yeah. Right. For sure. And that will lead us into our next topic next week of concurrent training methods. Yay. Concurrent <laughs> training methods. For the, I'll for give the you people. a teaser. I'll give you a teaser of concurrent training methods. So concurrent training methods is essentially like – how are you going to ellie's got a pee guys <laughs> how, um, why would you say that <laughs> uh, <laughs> you asked you asked for the teaser i was going to cut it off there but you asked for it no concurrent training methods is basically like how do you juggle training different uh priorities right so how do i juggle training someone like you trying to get stronger to one at max clean and at the same time, try to help them increase their aerobic capacity, right? How do I structure their training in a way that allows for them to increase both of those at the same time and not have a deleterious effect from one session to the other? Exactly. Right? There you go. So like chains? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, no. Uh, that's a that's a variation. That's not that's not concurrent training methods. I mean, we'll talk about chains technically it could be. Yeah. There you go. Um, you guys got anything else for the, for the folks at home? Yeah. All right. All right, guys. People have spoken. You got your uh, thing on heart rate there. So uh, leave us a five star review. Yeah. I don't even know where you do that, but you can do it. Um, and then uh, yeah. And then today we were sponsored by the book. Don't waste your life by John Piper. Happen to be sitting here. There you go. John Piper, give us a shout out. Yep. John Piper, if if John Piper gave me a shout out, y'all, I would be the happiest man in the world. More okay. than Tim Keller? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Really? Piper's the man. I love Piper. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> if you don't, you probably don't love Jesus. Oh my because gosh, don't get he, that. okay. <laughs> uh, all right, and then that'll be in three weeks from now, our theology of exercise. So. <laughs> All right, guys, y'all have a great day, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.